Wednesday night Bible study with the River of Life. And uh, we just give God praise, glory, and honor for this awesome platform to be able to opportunity to teach his word and share his word with uh, some hungry and thirsty saints out there. And so we give God praise. Wonderful teaching last night from uh, Pastor Rich. And I was so increased and so blessed and so encouraged anytime we get a chance to partake of God's divine goodness that we know flows wording of his word. So tonight we want to record and open with a word of prayer. We're going to get right into our teaching tonight, our goal and objective tonight, our mission really is to try to finish up uh, what has been about a four or five part teaching on the book of Psalms chapter 91. And we're going to try to finish up those verses tonight. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, as we come tonight in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of your son, Jesus, first of all, we just want to acknowledge you that you're God, and besides that there is no other God, we thank you, praise you tonight, that we know for a fact you have exalted above all that your name and your word, and you magnified your word above all your name. So we come tonight to make known unto you our adoration and our love for what you did say. We thank you that you have sent your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You sent your word to be our counselors and our delight. And God, we did find your word, and we did eat your word, and your word has become a joy and a rejoice into our hearts and our souls were so encouraged and stirred uh, because we get to hear your word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Father, as we come tonight, our hearts are burdened and concerned about this coronavirus uh, taking out people. We just heard that 100 people died in the state of Texas today. And we know those numbers, oh God, are, are, are numbers we're hearing all the time going around the globe. And so we know, God, in the name of Jesus, that you're the only God that can give life in the midst of uh, a death crisis. So we're praying for life tonight in the name of Jesus. We're praying that your divine hand and intervention will move in these places right now. But there's search and effort, Lord God, trying to prevent, trying to come up with cures and vaccines, trying to figure out what it is that we can do as men, mere mortal men. But God, we look to you tonight, Father, finish and fill up our faith, and we know you have everything under control. Father, we know that you are the only God we know that can create beauty out of a pile of ashes. Know you're the only God that can maintain control of events that take place in history. You have a perfect record. We know, Father, that you uh, want us to apply the prophetic word, the utterances, the, all the teachings of the apostles and prophets to all the different situations, God, because what they teach us is that with, if you're planning and if you're making decisions uh, out of all these things, you're precise in what you do. All your justice is right, never wrong. There's never a question, God. You're so sovereign. When these events, oh God, seem chaotic, we know that you just remind us, oh God, to just rest in you, God, because you have the ability to bring order out of all of this. And so we trust your wisdom tonight. We trust your word tonight. We believe that we're in the cusp of the prophetic word being fulfilled right now, God. We're not caught by surprise, nor are you. Maybe others are, God, but we lean on you tonight. We look to you tonight. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you will bring and make some sense out of all that we're, uh, that we're dealing with right now. So we trust you. We don't question you. We know you know too wise to make any mistake. So we look to you tonight because we know in heaven, well, God, there is a cure. There's a bomb of Gilead, and, and earth has no sickness, sadness, chaotic situations that heaven cannot heal. So we lift everything up to you tonight, and we give you praise. We give you glory. We pray for Pastor Mike's wife and daughter tonight, Lord God, who is on some symptoms. But God, we're believing right now that every one of them in council, we declare victory over it right now in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, with full authority and power of his spoken and written word right now that says with his stripes he's already healed so we give you praise right now in jesus name now lord just be with us on night as we go through this word we give it all over to you right now holy ghost and we trust you it's in jesus name amen and amen all right then well again uh we just want to pick up our teaching tonight we've had a a very good resurrection year and sunday and God is just moving by his spirit and a lot of things going on. And uh, I just want to enlighten you with three things that um, uh, the Lord uh, began to reveal to me today and uh, some of us stirred into prayer. And those three things was that he said, look, I'm the God who creates beauty out of ashes. <laughs> I remember they used to sing that, and I didn't know where that came from. But that is actually, I believe, in the book of Amos somewhere. But that just came back to me today, you know, and he says, I'm the, I'm, I'm the God that can bring beauty out of ashes. I thought it was kind of, it brought joy to my heart to know 
thing he told me that God maintains control of every event throughout history. Look back in history as far as you want to trace it. God is always in control of all the events of history. Eventually, it, brought, it was brought to an end, and we know it's because of his divine intervention. So we give him all the credit and all the praise for that. And then the other thing he was telling me was, he said that uh, uh, it was in, um, I want to say, uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4 this morning, about there was praying. The Lord told me that there is such an increase of knowledge at this particular time. I mean, there are people dealing with things, but also at the same time, there's a lot of people turning back to the Word of God, turning to the teachings of the Scriptures. Uh, people are right now fighting to get back to the church. So you have just a craving out there right now for knowledge. He told me that uh, there are a lot of prophecies in the Bible, minor prophets, major prophets, that have not been fulfilled. He said that the craving for the knowledge that is being that is coming forth right now, it is the continuous fulfillment of a lot of the prophecies that have been unfulfilled. And he said that's the kind of knowledge right there, the things that have been foretold, things that are foretold, those are the things we're going to begin to see that's coming forth right now. Please put the phone on mute. Please put the phone on mute. Thank you. And so he said, these are the things that are being fulfilled right now, all of the prophecies that have been foretold by those major and minor prophets. And we're seeing that, and people are craving for that. They want answers. They want to know what's going on. But here's what he told me. He said, to get through these times that we're going through, especially end times, events that didn't catch God by surprise, substituted other words instead of the words, shouldn't catch us by surprise, because God is in control of all historical events. Nothing gets by God. So he said that we're learning how to apply God's prophecy to what God has planned, what, and he's so precise in what he does, you know, and he's so sovereign. He said, when you see these events, they look chaotic. He suggests just want to remind us through all the prophetic foretelling that have already gone forward to just rest in God. Just take it easy. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Uh, because he has the, he's the only one that has the ability to bring some order out of chaos. Nobody else can. The president can't. Nobody can. There's no worldly leader. They're trying. They're putting forth effort. But he said they're going to figure out in a minute. Go look at my word and you will see these are prophecies that are being fulfilled. You know, this is part of God's planning, God's procedure, God's sovereignty, because he's trying to get something done. He's trying to bring people back around to put their confidence and trust in him and to know that he's the only one, if you'll cry out to him, that has the ability to bring order out of this chaos. And so I read a verse of Scripture tonight right before I came on over in the book of Amos chapter 5, verse 4, and I'll just preface my best tonight with this verse of Scripture because I started praying this as I came on the line. I was just reading and you're hearing this. It's the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 24. And this is what I was praying. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. And that thing got worked up in me. And so I said, God, only you can send that kind of blessing. Only you can send that. You know, we need justice right now. I was just got so kind of so, I don't know, worked up. And I was seeing the president coming with another pack of lies for about five minutes. And then I just took a break from studying turned it on, and I sat in there and listened. It was lie after lie after lie. And I, I broke away, turned it off, and came in and got in my Bible. And that's where God took me. And I started praying that, but let, right, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. And that thing just, it brought such comfort to me, you know, that God will honor his word and start putting back in remembrance of his word. And that's a prophetic word that Daniel, that uh, Amos prayed, that, you know, that Amos prayed. You know, and if you know what Amos 7 says, uh, 3 and 7, matter of fact, let me read that before we go to Psalm 91. Uh, listen at this, what God said about the prophet's message. Uh, verse 7, I think there's in Amos, it says this. It says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophet. So I went from there over to uh, Amos 5.24. So God has revealed it to us, you know, his planning, his decision, his sovereignty, when we're dealing with these chaotic events, to put me in remembrance of my word, and I hate to perform it. So I pray for God's justice to rain down like, like, like water, you know, and for his righteousness, like a, you know, like a mighty stream. Just like that scripture I read said, you know, but let justice run down like waters, righteousness like a mighty stream, because 
and that's what God sent forth to the prophet in his prayer. So I just prayed what he prayed, so I'm going to stand by and see what happens. But in the meantime, I want to go ahead and get into this, uh, to this, this 91st Psalm. So let's just turn there, if you will. I want to pick up tonight at verse 13, just by way of a little bit of review, and then we're going to run through these other four or five verses. But it says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Amen. And so this is this is God's message to David to the people, because God wanted them to maintain a happy state, a godly state, you know, a state of not being all taken uh, down by all the chaos they were dealing with in that time frame. And so God's desire was that they would maintain a, a happy state of mind, you know. So he tells he tells David to write this song and reveals it to him to encourage the people so so that they would have a place to turn to try to make sense out of all the chaos and the same thing going on today and not lose sight of the fact that God is God can bring beauty out of ashes. God is in control of every historical event and God has a plan. He's so precise in his plans and he's still sovereign. He's the only one he just wants us to maintain that happy state, you know, know that God is still in control. He'll bring order out of this chaos, amen. He's the only one got the ability to do it, as you can see, man, has failed. And what that really means, what David is uh, saying right there is, it is to ensure or to inspire or to encourage and to motivate our confidence in our most high God. I call him our El Shaddai, almighty God, because, you know, he now goes forth to add to us and remind us about the availability of his angels who have charge over us and all who belong to him. That is so powerful. That's a resource a lot of times that we don't always access that is available to us. Even when Jesus was in the wilderness, even Satan knew about the angels. And and, 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 and he said, you know, you, you had said that your father got these angels called down right now. They'll come down and surround you and protect you. So a lot of times that's, a, that's an available resource that a lot of times we don't even, we don't even mention. And so, but there, there are those angels right there that we should pray like David. God encamped those angels around the box. Because at least we do something. At least we kick our foot against the stone. That's what that's what Paul found out, kicking against the press, you know. And, and, and we have those angels that God would encamp around the bottom. And even now, uh, I'm just praying that God would release those angels and encamp them around the, around about us, around all these families that right now are going through, feeling the brunt and the, and the devastation of this chaotic mess we have. And even right now, specifically around uh, Pastor Mike's uh, wife's daughter, you know, that he just encamped those angels around about her to keep her safe. Because I can just imagine right now that even those who have some symptoms, obviously there's some stress and some pressure. But I just pray that God would encamp those angels around about her and she would just be at peace right now. Not only her, but all those families out there right now that's dealing with this, with this chaotic mess that we have right now. And he said, that's what happens when we belong to him. We have to be careful here because these words were also used by Satan when he tried to tempt our faith in Christ. You know, as I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, King James Bible, it says this right here. Then the devil taketh him up <coughs> into a holy city and sitteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, look at that, say no what's written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So he's trying to use uh, his intellect about the word, trying to use it to tempt Jesus. But I'm so glad that Jesus cannot be tempted by men, nor is he tempted by anything evil nor does he tempt anybody. He's so above that. He's, he's solid in knowing who he is. He knows he's in control. He knows why he was going through. He knew that, you know, he had been led in the wilderness, you know. He knew that he was full of the Holy Ghost. He knew that he had fulfilled every earthly duty and responsibility that a man would. So he had already passed all those tests right now. You know, he's fasting. He's hungry right now. And he's got one focus right now, and that's to get to that temple so he can take that book, open that book, you know, and read where it was written, you know, that God had anointed him. He had already been approved by God, full of the Holy Ghost. John baptized him. Everything was complete. So he was he was on his way to that temple. Nothing was going to stop.
stop him. And I love what he did. He said, Satan, get thee behind me. Then he told me, he said, look, you, you, you need to know, son, man does not live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then he told him, third time, you're going to worship God too, Satan, before it's over. You know, and so so it, it doesn't work when sometimes, you know, Satan try to use the scripture just like he did against Eve to try to manipulate, manipulate us. But look at what the Lord said we shall do. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, talking about Satan, the same that he tried to use to tempt you, it's a imp, it's a wimp. The young lion and the dragon, you know who that is, shall thou trample under feet. So we know where Satan is at, legally under our feet. It's illegal for him to be anywhere else, even though he goes back and forth. We just have to remind him where his place is at and it's under our feet because God has given us the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power and works of the adversary. The way I look at this conversation between him and Jesus, Jesus was walking all over him then because Jesus had been studying the word. He had been preparing himself for this journey right here to get through that wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He had spent time in the temple all the way when, back when he was 12 years old. And for the next 18 years, he was still in the temple learning, 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 so that he would have the word readily available for this temptation. That, that, that's a lesson for us, right? Study the word now so that you can have the word readily available, you know, when that temptation comes, when that trial comes. Put God in remembrance of it, just like he said in, uh, you know, in the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Put me in remembrance of my word. I hasten and watch, I watch over the nation's performance. That means I don't slumber, I don't sleep, I'm active, I'm alert. And Jesus knew this. That's why he went ahead on and studied. 30 years he was his habit to study that word for three and a half years of ministry. 30 years old when, when, when John finished baptizing him and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he was led into the wilderness. And from that point there, it was three and a half years of ministry that he did. 30 years just to be able to successfully preach. Three and a half years of ministry. But it was worth it. It was worth it because he knew exactly they'll say him and that word had become one because he was the word you know he was the incarnated word of god so he knew what to do he wasn't operating in fear he had been fasting you think he was weak they thought he was weak let me tell you something that word was in him that word was alive in him he had it readily available it was right there in his mouth he was ready to publish it he was ready to declare it. he was ready to give it and it's too satan off but he had to try another trick that's a word to you right there sometimes he may try one thing He'll try to dress it up and make it sound real, real good like he did. And it sounds like the word, but there may be one little twist in there, one little alteration in there. That's why you got to study the word to show yourself as a workman before God that we rightly divide the word of God. Cut that word straight. And if you're not sure sometimes, the Bible says study to be quiet. You know, study to be quiet. Sometimes your first Thessalonians 4 and 10 says study to be quiet. Mind your own business until you got something to say. You know, and, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus mind his own business until he had something to say. Then he spoke it. He spoke the word. He told it what is written. And and sometimes that ends the conversation right there. And the devil will sleep with you right away for a season, but he'll come back. You know, he'll come back. You know. So that's another benefit from studying the word of God. Then he goes on here. He says, now he uses more images to better illustrate what we have uh, safety and protection from. Images of animals, snakes, cobras, lions are all symbolic of all kinds of evil that might threaten the coming one. Okay? It's all that stuff. You know, uh, the psalmist and other believers, okay, will always be attacked, just like Jesus was. Okay? David has been attacked. We're going to be attacked. The psalmist's greater lesson in all this is this. For us here, in this situation we're in, to that that, that, that our most high God, our God Almighty, we say El Shaddai, Heavenly Father, will protect his son Jesus. So we know he's going to protect Jesus as we see him doing right there. The psalmist and all other believers get placed in danger all the time. We can attest to that, okay? No matter what the danger is, coronavirus, you know, just happens to be another danger, uh, you know, Shake up in the economy, shake up in the education system. Kids can't go to school. They're being homeschooled. Shake up in the system of religion. They're fighting now to keep the doors of the church open. Some fighting to keep them closed. People have died. Pastors have died. We've got to shake up in our system of government at every level, all the way down to the down to the state and, and, and county level. But shake up all at once is happening. Like everything is going 
chaotic at, at once. But look at what verse 14 says. He said, because he has set his love upon us, therefore, brothers, and this is David talking about the Lord. It's like the Lord is speaking this to David. He said, because David, all other believers, Jesus Christ, have set their love upon God, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Look at what he's saying. You got to know my name is Christ. You got to know my name is chaotic situation. Because every demon out there bows to the name of Jesus. Every force of darkness out there bows to the name of Jesus. I don't care what it is. It bows to the name of Jesus. You know, it bows to the name of Jesus. Okay? Some of these powers that are out there right now, if you look at history, as I said, Jesus controls every event in history. Every empire that has ever been built had the events to bow to the name of Jesus. Had to bow to the authority of Jesus. Even Pharaoh. Even Pharaoh. Every emperor, every king had to bow. It's happening right now. And the word of God, the prophetic word of God said this, that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is God. He is who he says. And that's going to happen. So we might as well now get that word in our mouth, put it in our, in our treasure trove, put it in our, in, in our toolbox, and start using that word. You, know, you can say some things right now. You can tell some stuff to bow. I've been on this kick now confessing victory over everything. You know, victory over everything because the Lord said, whatever you bind on this earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on this earth is loose in heaven. So I've been declaring the victory because I fight from the position of victory. I'm not fighting for victory. I already possess the victory. You do too if you're a believer. So I'm beginning to declare that victory over everything. I've been declaring that victory, declaring that victory. Anytime something comes up and I see it, and I was looking at the TV today for about five minutes, and I said, I declare the victory over that. I declare the victory over that. I declare the victory over them lies. I declare the victory over Jesus over them lies. I declare God's victory over them lies. You know, and then I come in here and read that scripture, man, what Amos had said, and I got all pumped up, man. My spiritual muscles start flexing and jumping. You know, right. because I said, Lord, you've given us the power to do this. We might as well not sit on this power. Jesus spent 30 years to get himself built up in that power. And when he went in, in the wilderness, the Bible said he was led there by the Spirit of God and full of power. And he released that power. It's written, say, you know. It's written. Our victory is written. You know, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God who has given us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So don't keep your mouth shut when you see these things coming up. I'm, I'm, de I'm, I'm declaring victory. I'm declaring God's victory from the position of victory. Over the coronavirus, over all these shakeups and all these worldly systems out here right now that people depend on. We started declaring that thing the other morning, and people were concerned about them getting their stimulus checks. Man, let me tell you something. I got phone calls today, man. People calling in saying, Pastor, thank you. Thank you for giving me that word of the morning to declare that because guess what? My check was in my account today. Other people, my check was in my account. All of a sudden, people's joy is being restored. I'm telling you, God will bring order out of chaos where there's confusion, where people are doubtful, where people don't have no hope. There's hope. Man, them people calling today, man, blessing me and my wife. Somebody, I looked in the bank, my check was there. So they started to release those checks. But we start declaring this. Now we're beginning to see in the midst of all this chaos, God is turning this thing around, and he's bringing some order in. So let's put God in remembrance of what he said. You know, we don't worry about the problem. God has got, he's got every event in history under control. He has turned this thing around. We know the devil meant it for our bad. We know he come to kill, steal, and destroy. He tried to pull that on Jesus. But we shouldn't be tempted with that. Because there is no temptation that is not common to man. You know, but God say, look, I won't put no more on you than I know you're able to bear. You know, I know you, I, I won't put no more. And I'll make a way for you to escape. And that you can bear it. So people have been bearing it. You know, God's been helping them. Now them checks are starting to show up in their account. And there are going to be more checks showing up in their account. Because when God bless you, you're blessed. When God turn a thing around and chaotic to bring order out of it, you will be blessed. You will receive what God promised. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because he controls every event in history. You know, while man trying to figure this stuff out, God has already got a plan. He's already, and his plans are precise. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. Those, that prophetic word is what's going to be fulfilled. You know, you know, and God has already revealed it. You know, he has a plan. And so the psalmist wants us to understand that he's encouraging us. He said, because he has set his love upon me. We got to set our love upon God and keep it upon God. God has not forsaken us. He has not abandoned us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us when there's a, a virus going on. He loves us when there's famine, when there's chaos. It seems like everything, man, is chaotic and out of control. God still loves us. He doesn't stop loving us. Okay? 
without him, depend on him. You know, without faith, we can't please him. So sometimes these things are tests and trials for us, but they're temptations for Satan. He want to tempt you just like he tried to do Jesus. But God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anybody, or is he tempted by evil. That was one evil attack on him. He wasn't tempted by that. He knew what was written. He knew what was written. He knew what was written. And because we set our love upon him, therefore he would deliver us, and we would set, he would set us on high because we have known his name, what the psalmist is saying right there. So the psalmist uh, manages here to bring his message back around to the love of God because it is easy to get distracted, become disoriented, displaced, unfocused, unfaithful to everyone in every place and everything, loss of trust in the midst of all of the current chaos and confusion. But his mention of love in this particular verse is not our usual reference to love. It's a different kind of love. This is another level, and it's more appropriate to the situation at hand, that kind of love. You know, I'm talking about that never-failing kind of love, that love that cannot, you can't be separated from it, as the Scripture says. I'm talking about that unconditional kind of love, that, uh, that love that inspires, you know, that inspiring kind of love, that love that, you know, says that you chose me, God, I didn't choose you, that kind of love. That kind of love that we see in the book of First Corinthians chapter 13, that kind of love, that agape kind of love, you know, can't be improved on. That kind of love, you know, it reeks of the idea of holding closely, you know, like the Hebrew verb meaning hugging tightly in love. You know, God loves us, so he keeps a tight grip on us. Now, if you mess around and break free, you know, he said, look, can't nothing fuck you out of my hand, but I'm not going to argue with you about your will. If you want to get out, just get your stuff and leave because that's what the prodigal son did. In the father's house, it was a loving place, a caring place, had everything he needed, the love of the father. But hey, he decided one day, give me mine, let me get up out of here. And God's going to honor your will because he doesn't force anything. He said, though I stand at the door and knock, if you open up and let me in, then I'll come in and sup with you. But I'm not going to run after you. I'm not going to twist your arms. I'm going to be loving. If you want that love, receive that love, and that love is yours. You don't have to go out here and, 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 and put yourself in a situation where you feel like you're separated from the love of God because it's impossible. And we can't do nothing to improve on how much God loves us. He's already chosen to love us. That's why he has provided a secret place for his people to hide. You know, they who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. We would say of the Lord, he's our refuge, our portion, and we put our trust. Why? Because it's a trusting love. It's a love trust. We trust God, and God trusts us. He trusts us with his love. He trusts us with his peace. He trusts us with his righteousness. Guess what? He trusts us with the victory. He trusts us with the victory over all the works of the enemy. Trust us with it, because we have set our love upon him. He would set us up in high places. He's already transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness anyway and, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, that kingdom of light, so we can speak. We begin to partake of this word. It opens our eyes because Psalms uh, 119, 130 says, at the entrance of thy word is life. Some of us right now beginning to see. We're beginning to see again. We're beginning to focus again. We're beginning to realize again that we sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And ain't no devil in hell can come and violate that place. They got to get through God first. But if we don't know that, we'll go into the enemy's camp. And we'll wander away from God. We'll go into the pig pens of this life trying to get, get something done. That son ended up in the pig pen eating the husk with the pig. But the love of God found him and reached him and caused him to put everything on pause just for a split second to come to his right mind and remember what he had departed from, remember what he had separated from. And he realized right then and there, even now, my mind is still in love with Jesus. Jesus is still in love with me in this situation. I'm going to get up from here and go back to my father's house. See, that's the love of God. It just won't let you go. It just, you can't separate from it. Your body might be in one place, but your heart, your spirit, and your mind, it's still about his house. It's still about him. It's still about how good he has it. You know, thinking on those things sometimes that are good and honest and pure and lovely, those things that are be from above. You know, and thank God that that love found him and caused him to begin to think in his right mind again. You know, but everything had to be put on pause. Sometimes chaotic situations cause us like what we have right now. Everybody's kind of locked down right now. Everybody's going through right now. Some people are discovering the love of God right now. Some people say, I got calls from a realizing. That look at here, when you, when you seek what God is telling you first, all these things you're adding. They were shouting and happy as they can be. Why? Them big checks. Some of them got more than what they thought they were going to get. They got extra. You know, they knew that, man, God is just showering us with his goodness.
just heard praise today. I just heard people say, like, thank you, Jesus. You were out with them on the phone. You know, it's a blessing when you see the love of God come through for a chaotic situation. And he began to bring order in that thing. He ordered some things for you, too, and they show up. They show up where they need to show up. He was checking bank accounts today and said, Pastor, this week that, that, check, that check got deposited. Pastor, it happened. Same thing we were praying about the other morning. It really happened. It really worked. Yeah, God loves work. The word works. You got to work the word. You know, and this is what David is, is, is saying to them. Uh, Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, verse six and eight, King James Bible says this. It said, but thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. I don't care what you're doing. God created us and when he looked at us. He sees us as holy because he's looking at us in the finished work of Jesus. He's looking at us in the eyes of the finished work of Jesus. In other words, we know how he made us. He knew we were good. Okay. And he knew things were going to happen, okay, that was going to test that and going to try that and tempt us to try to not believe him, you know, all these situations. You know, he knew that. But one of the things he looked at us is what is this, and this is what I believe in his word, is that he saw the potential that he created us to be. He saw the potential where he created us to have. He saw the potential where he created us to do. But he gave us choice, too, in the garden. And that choice creates a lifestyle, okay? And now you've got potential struggling with lifestyle. Like one chase after the other. One day your lifestyle might be chasing after your potential. The next day your potential might be chasing after your lifestyle. And the idea is to get enough word to know enough about the word until my potential can catch up and override and overthrow and overtake my lifestyle. And now I can begin to be what God created me to be, have what he created me to have, and do what he created me to do. You know, that's, that's that journey in this world but not of this world. And sometimes we, we act like we are this world, even in this world. And so we got to get this, 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 this journey correct. You know, I'm going to walk up here on this highway that leads to heaven. And there's only one way we can walk up there, the pure and holy, the righteous and true. You know, that's the only way because if not, we'll be taking side streets. We'll be, we'll be trying to figure out another way. We'll mess it up. But there's only one way to go. That's straight. Broad is the way, though, however. And he said broad is the way that many people can come there. It's open for everybody, not not everybody. But, you know, as you start to get closer, it gets narrow. He said many shall come there too, but only a few shall enter therein. Only those that have set their love on him will continue the journey, continue to pursue him, and to continue to seek after him. And so he says it right there. Above all people that are upon the earth, okay, on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. Only a few shall enter therein. But ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, as the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondage from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. And there's, there's Pharaoh-type mentalities out here right now, sitting in leadership positions that have ruled and governed, they govern the affairs of the people. And the Lord said, the way you the way you weaken that hope that they got on you right now with taxation and with all kinds of other violations of your rights, they use they use they use that government and they use ignorance. They use ignorance. So we gotta be wise of the laws of the land. We gotta know our inevitable rights are given to us by the Father, our creator, that we can pursue life and happiness. We gotta know all those rights. But then we gotta also know what God said. Pray for those who have rule over you. Pray for those kings and queens. Pray for those who have sit in those positions. Why? You want to be able to live a quiet, a peaceful life of tranquility, honesty, and integrity. That you don't have to worry about the law. Why? You ain't breaking no law. You're not going to break God's law, so you shouldn't break man's law. You know? And so, all the laws in the land, man, is for law breaking. It ain't for you. You know, you serve God. You know, you answer to a whole other set of laws. But that's not for you to go out here and defy the laws of the land. You have a civil response and a civil duty. You know, we are to show the law enforcement out there as, as pastors, as leaders, you know, that we know how to act in a civilized society, you know. We know how to act. God has seated us in heavenly places, so we see things from a higher view, you know. We don't get down in the weeds and argue about, you know, my First Amendment right and all that, my constitutional right, you know, you know. Because guess what? All those law enforcement people out there trying to do their job to protect people, at least in their mind, they think what they're doing is right. They might not even know God. And so how are you going to be a city that sit on a hill, let your light so shine, and you out there arguing, 
calling them the enemy and all that want to fight with them, want to pick a fight. The Bible says never let the ministry be blamed for what we do as, as leaders. You know, don't ever let the good be spoken of. You know, the Bible tells us be subject to the laws of the land. Back off out there. Quit fighting with those people. You ain't doing nothing but creating problems for some of us that's trying to do the right thing with God. You know, creating a, a reputation that don't need to be. God has, has solidified who we are. You know, we're his children. We got to act like it. We represent him. I think about him when he was on this earth, man. He didn't go out there and fight with people. He said, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? You know, then he, they brought him a coin, and he looked at it. He said, look, what's on that coin? They said, that's Caesar's eternal. He said, well, give Caesar what's Caesar. He give me what's mine. You know, I, I, I didn't come here to fight with, fight with Caesar. I come here to establish my father's kingdom, which operates on a whole different set of laws and principles and rules. So he goes on to say there in uh, Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, verse 15, he says this, Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. And he, remember, he want to have that seed bed. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Every generation, God going to establish his covenant. He ain't no man that he should lie. He said it. He's going to make it good. Three, four generations down the road, you know, he's going to do it. Uh, he has known our name throughout. God has never forgotten who we are. You know, the psalmist is reminding us again that God chose us. We did not choose him. What did he choose us for, the psalmist said, to be in a personal relationship with him so he can be our God and we can be his people. We are a chosen we are chosen to maintain an intimate, experiential knowledge of our God. Okay, that means not just to know him, but I got to experiment with what I know. I got to live it. You know, remember my lifestyle and my potential. You know, it does no good if I'm just going to sit on it. Okay, work, faith without works is dead. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word. And our heavenly Father, the knowledge of both of them. Remain in a loving, intimate relationship with him and him with us, his children. God will make our enemies, we got enemies being peace with us. You know, God will uh, bring people around and they'll see the light in us, and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. But how in the world can you say you love me and justify hate your brother that shared with you, picking fights with you, and you say you're a man of God? Not God. That's not the light he wants shining. Book of John, chapter 1, verse 16 through 20 in the King James Bible, it says, And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace, for the law, for the law was given by Moses, by grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. John now out there bearing witness. Remember, we're not the Christ. We're not God. So we can't go out there acting like God. We can't go out there telling people they're not going to do what I'm not going to do. Leave them police officers alone. Leave them authorities alone. And here's what they tell you to do. Don't fight with them. You, know, you ain't God. You're his representative. You know, we don't go out there acting like God telling people what, what they're not going to do. You know, How do every believer continue to live in victory during serious times of spiritual and physical warfare? Constantly overcoming the flesh and our enemies that are many. You know, if you're going to fight against something, use your weapons to bind up stuff, release stuff. Bind up this virus. Bind up the problem we have in our education center. Don't go after the people. Go after the spirit behind it. He knew it's the spirit. Remember what Jesus said, Satan get thee behind me. He knew it was Satan. He knew it was Satan. Even when Peter was acting up, he said, he, he rebuked him. He knew it wasn't Peter per se. He knew it was Satan, you know, Messing with Peter, influencing Peter. Peter was so caught up in his religious guilt because he had denied the Lord. Now he's trying to make up for it. He's going to pull out a sword and chop somebody off trying to be bold when he needs to. The Lord knew what he was doing. It was his time. He knew they was coming from him. That's why he had told Judah when they had the last meal, go do what you're going to do and do it quickly. He already knew that. He knew exactly who it was. He knew what was going to happen. Remember, they didn't kill him. He laid his life down. He said, if I lay it down, I'll take it back up. He had already went in the garden and prayed. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. If it be your will, take this bit of cup from me. If not, thy will be done. He's already agonized. He had already accepted it. We don't need to chopping nobody here off. We don't need to go out here, man, arguing at the police office, calling them enemies. 
them in them on your on your on your on your phone, taking a picture, putting it all over Facebook, calling them the enemy. They're not the enemy. All of us got the same enemy, Satan. He came but for the kill, steal, and destroy. Let's not be confused about that. Jesus said in, 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 in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the devil, Satan, your adversary, goes to and fro, you know, seeking whom he may devour. He said, He comes but for the kill, steal, and destroy. He comes but for the kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And let's face it, Pastor, instead of fight with the police officer, they might not be saved. They do need life, they do got a soul. Jesus said, all them souls belong to me. Everybody on this earth that breathes right now belongs to him. All souls belong to him. Leave God's souls alone if you're not going to try to help them be saved. Don't fight with them. Don't argue. Don't push them away. Now, he said, by loving kindness have I drawn you. Stay in that, that secret place. Don't come out of that secret place you know, looking for a fight. Understand all your battles and your attacks. All battles cost us. Endure to the end to win. We got to do that to be saved to win in our crown. Use the right weapons for the attack at the right time. You know, Isaiah 59 and 19, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, 1 Peter 5 and 8, book of Luke chapter 21, verse 28, 2 Corinthians 2nd chapter, verse 7 through 10. Let's take a look at those that we can close. So shall they fear, this is uh, the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, the King James Bible. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his uh, glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up the standard against them. You don't have to be out there against nobody. Second uh, Corinthians, book of Second Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 4, King James Bible. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not a cell phone taking a video that you can try to shoot somebody, send it to your lawyer, but uh, them, them denying you of your First Amendment rights. It's higher than that. That carnal mind. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In the second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. First uh, Peter 5 and 8. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. King James Bible says this. Be sober. Be caught off guard. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is always trying to trap you. Next. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Don't fall in that trap. Uh, the book of Luke chapter 21, verse 28. King James Bible says this. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head, for your redeem, your redemption draweth not. Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 28, King James Bible says this. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head, for your redemption draweth not. Say it twice. Verse 15, he said, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will give him, uh, I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him, okay, that's what he said, that's what, that's what David wrote now, Jeremiah 33 and 3 says this, book of Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says this, King James Bible, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not, and again, that he shall call on me, and I will answer him. There it is right there. Prophetic word. That's prophetic word for every future generation. All unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. The things that we don't know yet, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God was holding from those who love him. There are yet things to come. There are yet prophecies. Why? Just because, remember, God has always already planned for this, precise in his planning, time in every future generation is going to happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it's yet to be fulfilled. It's yet to come to pass. And he said, I'm sovereign. Take your rest. Take it easy. Relax. I got this. I'm the only God that can bring order out of chaos. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Verse 16, for the final verse, he says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's what God wants to show us. He wants to bless us with longevity, with a long life. He don't want us to get out here and get caught up in this carnal stuff, try to fight with the wrong weapons, pick the wrong battles, you know, you know, without weighing the cost and considering the cost. This is what I'm doing. Never let the ministry be even spoken of. Never let your work be questioned. Never let people have a, a question mark about you as, as being valid as a Christian. You know, people are always looking at you, and they'll hear what you say, but if they don't see corresponding action, that's why we always tell people that I try to live what I preach. I don't think I can live it. 
I don't feel like I'm justified in qualified to preach this week. This is what I'm telling you right now. I live this. Work with me. This is help me. And it's helping me right now. That's why when the Lord dropped this on my heart, I had to go take this psalm because I think people leave so much on the table when it comes down to this psalm. And that's why I took it upon. So let's wrap this up with a few more scriptures here. With long life, I would satisfy him. The promise of the Lord that David given to his people so they can maintain a, a happy state as they're dealing with all this chaos and dealing with their own enemies, their personal battles, you know, giving them some 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 encouragement here. And he will show him his salvation. Okay, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, King James Bible says this, You shall walk in all the ways the Lord your God has commanded you. All means all. You can't compromise. You know, do it in love without any compromise. That ye may live and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Okay? Uh, Proverbs, book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 31, same Bible says this. The hoary head is a crown of glory. That's why I ain't cutting my gray hair off. If it be found in the way of righteousness. <clears throat> Someone told me the other day I look old, and I ain't going to tell no name. That's why I ain't cutting my gray hair off. Because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be bound in the way of righteousness. Looking at my head, I'm going to make sure i got plenty of grace. Maybe just a little inside. First book of Peter, chapter 3, verse 10. Um, King James Bible. You hear that, Pastor Mike, right? It says, For he that will, will, will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Got to do it. Uh, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. And we're coming in. This is the last verse. Before we end teaching tonight, we'll be finished. Pay attention to this last verse. Amen. Uh, verse 16, last verse. This is the last verse of Scripture in reference to God showing us his salvation. Now, these are the commandments, statutes, and the judgment which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether you go to that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. Not Satan, not the chaos, not the president, not all this other stuff going on, but God. To keep all his statutes, not some of them, but all of them, and his commandments, which I commanded thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons. I like three or four generations speaking. All the days of thy life, those days off when you come here, and that thy days may be prolonged, long life. Longevity. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I know there's 4,200 different denominations out there, and everybody worships a different God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart. And with all of thy soul, and with all of thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as between thine eyes, and I shall write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gate. So be it enough according to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 1 through 19. Now, you might say this was to, the, this was to Israel. Yes, and they refuted it. They rejected it. And then he said, now go share it with the Gentiles. Now go give it to them. You know, so it applies to us now because we've been adopted into this promise. Been adopted in. We've been engrafted in. We are the bad olive branch because we were Gentiles, but we've been engrafted in. We've been invited in. And now we have a place at the wedding. We have a place that's been prepared for us, and we operate on the grace crisis. David violated his law. Jesus came to remove that, offered them by fulfilling it, and then he offered us grace, and that adopted us in because they originally rejected it. But this teaching right now, this covenant right now, this te- it applies to us right now under grace. Under grace. Didn't do away with the law, so it's still in effect today. 
just the promise of Abraham still in effect today. The old covenant is still in effect today. So we can't honor Christ and not honor what he fulfilled. He fulfilled it. He didn't destroy it. He fulfilled it. So we have to accept what he fulfilled. We have to accept. And he said, now in every generation, I'm going to establish this covenant right here and my new covenant in my blood. Let you get together. You do this in remembrance of me. And remember what I did. Remember what I did. Remember this, what I did right here. Remember my covenant. Remember what I said. I didn't do away with it. I fulfilled it. Still intact today. So when you're breaking that bread and you're taking that cup, you're remembering everything that you said. That's still in effect today. Amen. So I'm going to end right there. We got about one minute before my time is up, and I'm finished. Thank God we got it done. Uh, you know, but just remember the three things I told you. God is always to bring beauty out of ashes. He always maintains control of every event in history. Uh, he hasn't changed. He's saying just let it and forever. And he's always planning. You know, that's where the prophetic word is. Been fulfilled, being fulfilled, and yet to be fulfilled. Because God is planning. He's precise in his planning. He's sovereign. And when, uh, you know, we see all these chaotic events unfolding all around us, God wants to remind us through the teaching, all that you heard tonight, okay, to just rest in God, rest in his, in his word, you know, just rest. Because God has the ability, and nobody else can. All these busy moving pieces out here, you know, people doing this, creating that, you know, ripping people off, trying to make money, all these moving pieces right now. He says, look, I'm the one that has the ability to bring order out of this chaos. Just relax. Run to that place, that secret place. Dwell under the shadows of the Almighty. Go into that resting place. Just rest. I prepared a place for you. Under the shadows of the Almighty. Abide right there for me. Learn about me. You know. And when the time comes, God said, hey, I'll show you, I'll show you who I am. I'll show you what I can do. I can bring order out of this chaos. Right now, I want people to turn to me. Okay? So I'm going to end right there. Uh, and the line is now open. You can take your phone off of mute. We'll open up right now for... Uh, Comments, hey man, I'm finished with Psalms 91. Hopefully, you got something out of it that uh, you can apply, you can use going forward. Because we're going to have more chaos, we're going to have more problems, we're going to have more disorder. You know, it's going to happen. You know, and so we might as well prepare for it like Jesus did. He knew he was going to have to go through that wilderness. He knew he was going to be tempted by Satan, but he was prepared. And what he prepared was he learned the word, so he didn't have to finish the wilderness. So I pray that you have got something out of it tonight. Hey man, that ends the teaching tonight. Thank you for your attention. Line is now open for comments. Amen, this session Pastor is no Wood. longer being recorded. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Um, awesome.